Hi, guys. Thanks for tuning into this episode. We have a cracker guest on this episode. We have Eddie Rockefeller, a professional comedian and musician who is multi-talented and here to promote her new solo comedy show, which is about to launch, and a collaboration project at the Newcastle Fringe Festival. Eddie's solo show is titled The Art of Falling in Love, and the collab project Eddie is working on is Pop Poetry. Eddie also runs a bunch of open mics around the Newcastle area and is close to launching her Women's Monthly Showcase comedy show, The Whole She Bang. Um, Eddie also has a background in music and has also performed in countless venues, events and festivals, which include the Tamworth Country Music Festival, the Main Stage Early Beach Music Festival and Mitchell Creek Rock and Blues Festival. Uh, Eddie, thank you for coming onto the show. I do appreciate it. How's it all going over there? Yeah, for sure. Hey, it's yeah, it's going great. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Start to it. Yeah. Killing it. <laughs> Killing it. How was the holidays up there? Um, oh, really chill for me, actually. I've just been um, enjoying having the time off. And it's hard to, like, I, I always, every time it gets to holidays, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get so much done. But I'm also going to let myself chill. And then I always struggle to get back into work mode again. So we'll see if I get anything done these holidays. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And has COVID been affecting you much up there as well? Oh, we're pretty lucky. We're in a um, Newcastle's been pretty clear most of the time. Um, I think our closest case is like Raymond Terrace. So it's like, uh, you know, oh, that's half an hour away, but we, we currently we don't have any cases in Newcastle. So nothing's changed for us in the fact that um, I know that Sydney's gone back down to lower restrictions and, and they're locking down and uh, where it's four, still at four square metres, which is great. And our events are still going ahead. There's, um, there's a few there's a few things that are getting postponed because people are worried about it obviously like there's always that worry but um so far we're, we're not getting kicked out of pubs yet which is <laughs> mainly where I work so exactly. I'm really happy for that 100%. yeah 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 I will cry if I get kicked out of a pub <laughs> no. oh, that's too funny all right let's get straight into it for the listeners who is Eddie Rockefeller Oh, okay. Um, Eddie Rockefeller is a legend. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm a musician. I'm a comedian. I'm a performer. I'm a professional attention seeker. Let's just be straight up. Let's be real honest. Uh, that's what I love to do. Anything that'll get me attention, I do it um, pretty much. Uh, I, yeah, I love performing. I'm just, I'm big on, I love making people laugh. Um, I love making people feel things as well. So like when it comes to my music side, I've got more soul and expression sort of stuff when it comes time with comedy side I've got like silly and you know just you know wordplay and just having fun with it on stage so it's like I don't know Eddie Rockefeller is a lot of things I guess oh my god we get really existential here <laughs> I know you're a musician and comedian so you're definitely very multi-talented that's for sure yeah um, I do a lot <laughs> I know you do um how's your family tell me about uh yeah tell me about your family Ah, my family. Um, well, uh, people are always like really surprised to find out what kind of family I come from because they meet me and I guess and they expect me to, I don't know, I don't know what family they expect me to have. But uh, whenever I, I pull out and mention that I'm from an incredibly strict Christian family, they're always like, what, you? Because <laughs> I'm always the one, um, you know, making sexual innuendo jokes or, uh, you know, or 
out encouraging people to drink and have a good time sort of idea. Not, you know, responsibly, obviously, but like, uh, yeah, you love I don't a, know. I'm just, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm definitely one of the people I love a good muck around. And um, unfortunately, lots of the life choices that I make, which I'm very happy, um, might not necessarily fit into what my parents like. So that's fine. They still love me. We still have a good relationship. It's fine. But um, yeah, I come from, um, I will say though, like that they're the ones that started my love of performing because my mum uh, was a violin teacher and she started teaching me when I was like four years old. So I've been on stages since I was four um, and that's because of her. Um, and we always had that community around us of other people or musicians who are on stage and always doing this sort of stuff. And um, so when I got out in the real world, it was just me trying to explore that further, just down different routes that... Um, you know that she hadn't shown me yet so for example I got into like blues music and I got into going to open mics and jams and and through that I got into meeting a lot of people out at um you know venues and um eventually I learned there was a comedy scene in Newcastle so I got into that like I think it's just like it's a dominoes effect you know what I mean of just you get into one thing and suddenly you're just trying everything and just experiencing life and yeah so I love that. They, they, yeah, mum definitely started me on the road. So don't tell her that. She'd probably be mad. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's a very interesting story. It's quite amazing. You oh, also thank won, you. You also won a competition and participated in 2017. You were lucky enough to win. Tell me about that. Yeah, um, so I participated because I, I used to, when I was first getting into the music scene, um, I used to go compete in a lot of singing competitions because it was a good way for me to um, sort of teach myself how to become better and get feedback on, on what I need to work on sort of ideas. So um, um, I participated in a bunch of comps, some I won, some I didn't. Uh, but this particular one called I Sing, um, I won in Australia. So they sent me overseas to compete in the world singing competition which was like incredible. There were like, uh, I think, what was like 64 other countries competing or something. And there was, um, we all went to Myanmar, um, which for people who don't know what that is, if you've heard of Burma, they're rebranding. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's where we went. Um, and it was my first time going overseas. I was so excited. And just all the people there were amazing. It was, it was just crazy how, I mean, we're all, all in a competition, yeah, but um, they were some of the most supportive people I've ever met. Even though you're competing against them, they yeah, just sure. they were so determined to enjoy meeting people from other countries and just it was ah uh, it was one of the funnest trips of my life. I will never forget it. Um, and I ended up uh, placing fifth, which was uh, amazing because there were so many incredible singers there. So I felt really lucky, felt really um, pleased with the whole experience it was great yeah yeah well coming fifth depending against those numbers that's quite amazing too and well done and congratulations yeah. what an achievement so, thank yeah, you well thank you so much my pleasure you have also performed in the music scene with local and established acts like the screaming jets one in the queen of hong tok if i pronounce it right great bob spencer and many more how was the experience for that? How, yeah. sorry, how was that experience for you? Oh, okay. So like when you're in the industry, you, you run into a lot of different people, but then just every now and then um, 
something will happen. Like I got invited to play violin in a band with Juanita and she, we went and played Ailey Beach Music Festival, which is incredible. We played to like 5,000 people on main stage and that was one of the most fun working holidays of my life because if you're a performer you got a vip ticket they gave you free alcohol it was excellent how good is that <laughs> i know <laughs> so much fun oh my god and um i think uh i went with her down to brisbane to play in this um well we were, we're going down there to shoot a music video actually which was a lot of fun. But while we were there, um, we met a bunch of people and we met this guy, um, Dan Neby, who runs Rockin' for the Homeless in Brisbane. Um, and he's also, um, you know, the head man of this awesome band called Team Utopia. Uh, and so they kind of invited us back to play for Rockin' for the Homeless, which we did. And we killed it and we loved it. And then ever since, I've just, I just got really close with the people up there. So I go up and... Um, I, I sing with uh, Team Utopia sometimes and Bob Sensor was the, the lead guitarist um, at the time. So I got to sing and, and rap on stage with him and it was crazy. And then I've been going back every year and emceeing with them and we've been raising money for the homeless, which is amazing because of a breakfast club in Redcliffe. Um, that's the charity. Um, and this year, obviously, well, last year, I should say last year, it obviously had to get canceled because of the whole COVID, unfortunately, but what they did instead was they put out an album, uh, rocking for the homeless album, uh, with all proceeds again, still going to charity. So, uh, that's another thing. If anybody's listening, go check that out. Cause there's some super sick bands on there, like the super Jesus and team utopia and like a bunch of just really cool rock acts. Um, and yeah, obviously all money goes towards yeah, the homeless. So look up Rocket for the Homeless, like R for homeless. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying that right, but check it out. It's on Facebook and everything like that. Um, yeah, it's so much fun. Sounds amazing. Thanks. Um, I have seen some of your videos online for singing and playing guitar. They look great. Do you ever get stage fright knowing it? No, not for music. No, never. Uh, I'm sure I used to. Um, but when you've do just done it for as long as I have, it's, it's just a uh, part of life, I guess. And I still love it. Like, but you learn to love the music itself rather than, uh, I don't know, getting on stage as much. Uh, I still love, obviously I love performing, but, um, I don't know when it becomes, when you lose that nervous flutter, you're going to find something else to also love about it. Um, but I still get the nervous flutter when I do comedy which is probably one of the reasons why I'm pushing uh, a lot for that more recently. I've, I've turned more to comedy of late and I still get that nervous flutter when I get up for comedy. Definitely. Um, but the second I step on stage, I'm fine again um, because I'm just lost in the performing and doing all of that, which is, yeah. But every now and then, just before I get on stage, I'm like, why do I do this again? <laughs> why am I putting myself through this pain? Uh, and then I get on stage and I remember why. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll probably never stop doing this. <laughs> yeah, so for sure. Like, I think you're a natural at it personally. Um, how did oh, you thank you. No worries. How did you get into comedy? Like, so how did you get the transformation from music into comedy? Well, um, so when I moved to, I moved to Newcastle for the music scene, actually, because I came from Tamworth, which is country music capital, and I'm not a country music artist yet. So I moved to Newcastle just so I had more opportunities to gig and then um, do original music and all that sort of stuff. And I met 
Uh, I used to go out to all the open mics so I could meet other musicians in the scene. And I met these people who ran open mics at the Mayfield Hotel and they asked me to help host them. Then they asked me to help with social media and run them. And they also ran this, um, so they ran weekly uh, music open mics. So I'd run those. And, and they also started running these comedy slash tall tales nights. And so, of course, I, I'd go along to support them because they were part of the, um, you know, the scene that I was helping run there. Uh, and I was like, oh, I'll get up and tell a story, you know, and I, I got up and I did my whole thing as I normally do, because when I talk to people, I'm always usually trying to crack jokes and things anyway, like that's just my personality. So I got up and did that. And um, then somebody afterwards mentioned that there's an actual, there's an actual comedy scene in Newcastle, which I didn't know about. So uh, I was so excited. And I thought I went, I went down and I was like, I'll get up and I'll just, you know, talk shit like I did at this night, you know, it was easy. And then I got there and there was, everybody got up, did proper sets, like proper written jokes. It was very obvious that they were written jokes. They were well done. And then I instantly backed out. I went home. I wrote a set that night and I practiced it for two weeks straight and got up the next fortnight. And, um, and then I've just been doing comedy ever since. Yeah, sure. Is that the main direction now you're clearly heading in your career? It's, um, it's, well, it's one of my biggest passions. Like I'm always going to love music and I'm always pushing that one as well. But right now, all most of my energy is going towards comedy. And the reason is because it's, um, I don't know, you need less to push yourself in comedy. I mean, all I need to do to get a new show up is sit down and write. I just need me in a pad and pen. You know what I mean? Um, whereas with music, because uh, I've been building my own loop station um, during COVID lockdown, I figured I couldn't do comedy. So I may as well, uh, you know, do some music stuff and, um, I mean, it was fun. It was amazing. There's a lot of work that goes into it, but it's also a lot of money towards equipment and things like that. And it's just sort of mm, to get that sound and develop that sound you want. It takes a, a lot of money and a lot of effort. Whereas with comedy, I can just put the effort in. It doesn't take the money, you know? So it feels like, yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know. It just feels like a, a more achievable route if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Um, I'm always going to love music, but I'm never going to have the money I want to get like the perfect equipment, you know, not without years of saving up and, you know, it's, it's a whole thing. So I'll still keep on doing it because I love it, but it's, it's hard to make it your focus when you don't have the money to dedicate towards it that you want, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Well, hopefully you blow up and get bigger and you can afford everything. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, that, That'd be amazing. <laughs> um, is there any funny stories, obviously being comedy, which is a funny industry, is there any stories you can share that you've been out and you've done, etc.? Oh, there's loads. There's loads. Um, what a, I, I've seen, oh, I've seen so many weird things on stage before. Um, but I think one of my favorite gigs was, um, me and a bunch of Newcastle comedians, this is a couple of years ago, me and a bunch of Newcastle comedians decided to like band together and get like a hire out a, a van and road trip all the way down to the Adelaide Fringe and put on, on a showcase there. So sort of like a working holiday, um, check out the Fringe and also get to perform. And um, I think on the way there we and on the way back, we sort of planned these gigs uh, at like these regional um, towns that would never have comedy ever. 
just to like pay the way for petrol and and you know uh sort of reduce costs on the way there uh and we stopped off at this one place where it was very country very regional town where like we're playing at like i think it was like the bowling club or something and we looked around and and none of the people there it was like it was pretty packed but none of them the people in the place knew that there was comedy happening they were there to to drink or for the karaoke that was after the comedy so um we were a bit worried and we were a bit stressed and we said uh we have this one comedian who was with us who's like the the bogan comedian if you make sense like he's you know he wears dogs he drinks beer and he jokes a you know a sort of like uh, you know we thought we would go better with a regional crowd so we thought we'll put him first so that uh you know he, he does well and from his momentum we can uh we can sort of come in and still have a good set um but he did a set he did his set and he bombed <laughs> and we're like oh no we are so screwed we're so worried um, and true to word, everybody after him bombed. It was just bomb after bomb. At one point, this is how bad the crowd was. At one point, a comedian made a joke about uh, putting a gun to his head. And then somebody from the crowd just called out, do it. And we're like, <laughs> oh, they hey. hate us. <laughs> it's awful. They hate us. So we get to the end. And um, Dave, one of our other comedians, he was like, I'm going to do topical humor. They'll like that. <laughs> but he got up and he didn't really know much about the town. He just sort of figured out what he knew about the town from driving into the town. So he gets up there and he's like, oh, oranges. <laughs> you guys grow oranges. We're like, what the fuck is happening? Oh, it's crazy. But somehow, I can't even remember how it started, but somehow he decided to just scull his beer on stage and the crowd went nuts and then all of a sudden the next comedian they wanted him to scale a beer so he scaled a beer the next comedian and it just ended up everybody he was left over to perform just ended up sculling a beer on stage and then they just loved it it turned so suddenly after the show everyone was buying us drinks everyone wanted to talk to us everyone wanted to know us it went from them telling us to go kill ourselves essentially to like this dude coming up to us and saying, Oh, Hey, I know there's 12 of you, but where are you staying tonight? We'd be like, Oh, we've got a campground. And they're like, no, nah, no, nah, you're coming to my place. It was like, you have a wife and three kids at your place. And they have no idea we're coming. Nah, you're coming to my place. I'm like, it was insane. It was so crazy. Um, there's definitely one of my favorite gigs to date. Yeah. What a turnaround. I think so. That's that's cool. That's quite amazing. <laughs> it's also crazy that all it took to get their uh, love and approval was sculling a beer. I know, right? It's crazy. Yeah. Tell me about your club project, Pop Poetry, and also your individual one, The Art of Falling in Love, which is your new solo project. Yeah, well, um, I'm finally doing uh, my solo comedy shows. So this is like a collection of a lot of the sets I've done over the years, like obviously kicking out the bad stuff, keeping the good stuff. Um, this collection of a few new stuff as well. Um, so, and it's all based on the art of falling in love. So dating and single life and being in a relationship, it's, it's, it's sort of following the whole trajectory of it. And um having a look at that it's gonna be a lot of fun and I'm really keen to debut it 
Um, but I'm also doing this uh, collaboration project uh, called Pop Poetry. And it's basically dramatic readings of pop lyrics. So um, I just found, like, I was drinking with some friends at a pub and I just find that we got into a situation where we were dramatically reading out, like, the, the lyrics to WAP. It was like, oh, please park that Big Mac truck right in this little garage. And it was just, it was cracking up everybody so much. And I know we were drunk, but I just thought the contrast of like taking something that's usually sung or rapped or just said so, you know, in a different way and then switching it to this mode of like dramatic reading, it, it just made it, it so funny. And I just thought, wouldn't that be a cool idea for like a, a different kind of comedy show? And so, yeah, we're going to, give it a crack at the Newcastle Fringe. And if it does well, uh, the potential is, you know, it'll be great because like uh, potentially every year we could do a different show with the same concept, which is great. Um, so I've got a, a couple ideas under the belt of different ways we're going to do it, different songs we're going to do. There's going to be a little bit of crowd participation. There's going to be a little bit of a uh, you know, um, interpretive dance going on. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. So um, definitely, if you guys want to check out any of those shows, um, go to Eddie Rockefeller Comedy on Facebook, or you can find all the events also on faceopenmiccomedy.com. So the, those events are all listed. Or you can just go to the Newcastle Fringe page as well because all their events are up. Uh, but that will be happening in March around um, the 18th, 19th, 20th and 21st sort of weekend. So check out those dates, um, get amongst it. Yeah, sure. That sounds great. Um, tell me too, I know we've chatted before about, and it really interested me is about how you're sort of stepping up for the women in comedy. Talk about that and that project, how you're really trying to get women involved in comedy. Yeah, well, um, I remember when I first started comedy here, I was the only regular female com comedian. Like, there were a few others that would drop in every now and then, but, um, you know, they'd have kids or they'd have, um, or they'd be from another, uh, they'd be from Sydney or from another area. I was the only one showing up every week, surrounded by men, <laughs> which can be quite daunting sometimes when it seems like it's a, it's a men's club. And, I'm really happy to say that I'm no longer the only female comedian. We have so many more, which is great. And I love it. Um, but I can also say that I know there's other females that feel, uh, who still feel like it's a, a man's club, uh, like a boy's club, and that they don't do comedy just for that reason. And I know this because they've spoken to me, they've spoken to um, my MCs before and said how they were interested in it, but they, you know, it seemed too much of a boys club. They'd feel too insecure. And I sort of just want to um, create an environment where they can. Like it shouldn't be, I mean, we're, we're a growing scene. There should be the opportunity to nurture there. There should be opportunity for new people who want to come in um, to give it a go, to be okay with like just being a beginner and, and not feel like it's being, they're being judged on that because everyone starts somewhere. I know loads of people um, who, you know, have improved so much over the years for doing comedy and found a love in it. Um, and I don't want to deny that to anybody, especially 
if it's just because they're female. So um, I'm starting an all-women's showcase in, um, in Newcastle. Uh, still talking to the venue to nail down dates and all that sort of thing, but it will be starting soon. It's called The Whole Shebang. Um, and we're going to have double headliner from Sydney. So the idea is we get two experienced comedians down from Sydney. Um, I'll be the resident MC. And then we're going to fill all the other spots with uh, local female comedians. So that would be uh, maybe local females who've already started comedy or potentially um, new females who want to start it, but want to start it in a more supportive environment, um, which I tend to find women showcases uh, are like I, I've performed a lot of women showcases over the years and I performed at a lot of just normal comedy shows um, that are dominated by male lineups and uh, well I love performing at both I will say um, that the women showcases were always really easy to talk um, and try new bits I always found it easier to try new bits at those showcases because they were really supportive which I feel is necessary for newbie comedians so it's like something you want so, um, yeah, I'm really keen to get that project started. Yeah, that's amazing. And, yeah, like massive respect for you doing that because I think it's going to open a lot of doors for women especially that are a bit afraid to, you know, maybe insecure or whatever and not give it a crack where they've got potential to do it. So, yeah, I definitely respect you for that. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of funny females out there, so many, and, um, and I don't want them to not to. I've had so many – I've had conversations with them and they're destroying me at the pub. Like, they're just making me laugh so hard. And then I say, you should try comedy. And then they go, oh, I couldn't. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Uh, well, currently I'm sort of just looking ahead at the short term. I'm sort of thinking about my next goal, like uh, – this uh, hosting and debuting my first comedy show was that was a big one for me um, getting that done and that's happening in March so right now all my energy is dedicated towards that but then um after that I'll, I'll push for my next goal so um I'll start pushing and trying to I'm, I'm thinking about maybe uh, touring around Australia a little bit or just taking my show other places so I get a chance to perform for different types of audiences and things like that so potentially in 10 years I'd I'd love to be still doing comedy, still playing music and um, just really doing what I love. I don't really have a end goal of like, I want to be rich or famous or anything like that. I just sort of want to always be doing what I love, if that makes sense, and always working towards the next thing and getting better at my craft. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah it's a pleasure. And thank you for coming on. I do appreciate it. Um, yeah, thanks for having me, Nick. My pleasure. If you guys want to keep up with Eddie, you can follow her comedic journey and music journey by following her on Facebook at Eddie Rockefeller Comedy and Instagram at Eddie Rockefeller Comedy as well. Uh, Eddie, again, thank you for your time. I do appreciate it. Thanks, Heaps. I'll see you next time. See ya. Have a good day. Bye.